If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cashback on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cashback. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. There's something magical about unboxing. When you unbox BritBox, you uncover a world of British entertainment. Stream the UK's most brilliant series, including new and upcoming seasons of Shetland, Father Brown and Death in Paradise. Plus new originals like Payback, Irvin Welsh's Crime and Archie, the story of Hollywood's greatest leading man, Cary Grant. Unbox BritBox and escape to the best of British TV. Stream with a free trial at BritBox.com. Let me ask you a question real quick. Do you ever want to live in a fantasy world where the most handsomest guy always ends up with a girl and he may at time travel the bend a secret prince but no one in the story ever asks any questions. You can live on Park Ave with a salary from Mickey D's or walk from Denver all the way to New Orleans but me, I prefer all the reality and the truth bombs drop from the crew at RTT. you, you got what we need cause these are a chore, but you keep us wanting more. RTP, yo, you got what we need. Cause roasting is your technique. I'm gonna tune in every week. Hey, hey. baby. But not too much laters. Cause you got what I need. Okay, I'm ready. I'm ready to talk about it. Y'all ready to talk some shit? Jock Jams back on track two. It is Jock Jams, isn't it? Fuck, what song is that? It's track two. Oh, it is track two. No, Mikey is absolutely right. It is track two. I don't remember what it's called though. Are we talking Jock Jams Volume One? Yeah, the OG. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! That is the song Get Ready for This by yeah. by Two Limited. Mike was right. I am truly an idiot savant. Yeah, yeah, he remembers when Magic the Gathering was created and 93 baby. As you can see, that part of my life, those were big deals. Hell yeah. I'm just out here shooting free throws dead. <laughs> I know what I'm doing tomorrow on the way to work. Just rocking to Jock Jams, baby. I'm sure there is a Jock Jams master playlist mix. Oh, on Spotify that has over a million followers. I guarantee it. It's just that song and Gary Glitter. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start, please. We've been, yeah. we've been talking about Jock Jams for five, five minutes. minutes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's because this movie sucks so bad. Yeah. Thank you for tuning into Romancing the Pod. You had us at hello. I'm Paige Wesley. I'm Mikey Randolph. And I'm Todd Schlosser. And this week, I tortured you guys with The Invention. It's so funny you say that, Paige, because I literally just tweet out, if you don't start every podcast episode with a five-minute discussion about jock jams, get your life right. Are you even podcasting? <laughs> uh, you mean when I called out what track Get Ready For This was on? Blind. You fucking knew, man. Blind, you fucking Mikey. knew. It wasn't like Wait, you were looking okay. at it. You nailed it. No. 
if that's track two, what's track one? Is it Gary Glitter's Hay? Gary Glitter's Hay is the closer, Paige. It's uh, it's track yeah. 20 out strong. on Jock Jams. Yeah. There's 20 tracks on Jock yeah, Jams? Yeah, that's why that CD was awesome, because it came with 20 songs. Yeah, it came with 20 Jock Jams, guys. All right, we have to stop. We have okay. to move into this movie. Do we? Are you do sure we, we do? Because <laughs> the only other option is for us to talk about this movie. So Okay, can I start? I uh, pre-articulated points about the movie. Wow, Go this ahead. movie was so bad, you wrote stuff about it? I have notes as well. Nice. I, but Paige usually takes notes. Okay, I have mental notes because I didn't. I don't write things down because my handwriting's bad. Yeah, I don't believe in using my hands. What is it, a baby's toy? Yeah, my <laughs> mind's not a baby's toy. It's a man's <laughs> Do you want to tell us what you were thinking about, Mikey? The premise of this movie is super flawed because oh, yeah. it equates honesty with emotion. And yes! It mixes it up the whole time. Yeah. And it drove me crazy because they the people in that world are able to feel feelings. And in fact, the first 10 minutes, I was like, man, it would be kind of nice if people just told you how they felt about stuff sometimes. Because like it's hard for us to to from a counseling perspective to like listen to someone talk and be like to pull out what they're feeling from that. But they're like, Mm -hmm. I feel frustrated and angry and sad about this, this, and this. I was like, oh, they talk like a computer, but like it is kind of easy to read people when they talk like that. But then they're like, I want to marry them for my genetic composition. I was like, they're not Vulcans. They just have to be honest. Thank you. Good Lord. Yes. That is not the only reason this movie is flawed, but that is a reason this movie is flawed. I think it's the main one. I think it's the main one too. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely a very big problem. I think it's very fun. Like it would have been a very fun story. Take out the religion part because I was like a 10 minute diversion to like for Ricky Gervais to like masturbate to but yeah, like man. if the honesty part was Jennifer Gardner like falling in love with him and slowly voicing it of like here are my concerns but I'm feeling these things but you're still this this and this because people do slowly fall in love sometimes and it would yeah. have been interesting to hear it from like a I'm not allowed to lie perspective but instead she's like I don't feel feelings I am a robot and you're like that's not what half the people are doing half the people are feeling feelings right Right. And then half the people aren't. It's so weird. Yeah. Here's here's my I mean, I have a lot of problems with this movie. It had a hundred percent more Louis C.K. than I want in any movie at this point. Um, and it's Louis C.K. looking exactly like you would expect someone who did what he did to look. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> I think and controversial statement. I think the premise of this movie is a perfect sketch premise and a bad movie premise because there are sections of this movie and little bits and interactions that I do find incredibly funny because of the thought experiment. One of the funniest ones to me was the uh, advertising without lies. Hilarious. Yes. yes. Absolutely hilarious. I, I think the first 15 minutes, like the date, that scene, the setup is like the skit part. And then it falls apart after that. Right. And even the date I struggled with a little bit, A, because, and I don't expect that there would be emotion at that part, but this movie not only seems to equate lying with emotion, but also lying with speaking everything on your mind. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's like they have no internal monologue. Everything that comes into their head, they have to say. And that is not like set up in the movie. It's not like they're getting unfrozen after being frozen since the 60s to fight Dr. Evil. Like there's (laughs) no reason for them to be doing that. Everyone should be acting like Jim Carrey from Yes Man. 
I mean, that's the more palatable <laughs> yeah. version of this. And I still don't like that movie either. But like the, the religion part, I do think I have more of a pacing issue with it than anything. Because oh, I think yeah. if, you, if you pull it out on its own, it's a hilarious sketch to like have someone try <laughs> to like, OK, but it's not this bad thing. It's this other. And that to me is very hilarious. But it bogs down this movie yeah. like nobody's business. And you don't need it for the plot because he can lie. He could have just lied and written that screenplay and had essentially the same thing where it's like he's suddenly the guy that gets new history. He's reading the golden tablets out of a hat. Like you could have an A to B. I just remember in my notes at a certain point, we get through the religion part and there's still 39 minutes left of the movie. And I was like, what the fuck is even going to happen? Like, I am exhausted by this film. They do a bonkers resolution of the religion subplot where he's like, yes, I was lying. And yeah, then, and then it goes yada, back yada, to being yada, a romantic comedy. And I was like, what? Think about the implications of if he was just like, oops, I can lie. And then all of that information goes away. The world would descend into chaos because he like created this idea that like now everyone's thinking about the sky mansions and the man in the sky. And if you're suddenly like, it's not real. First of all, now they're just A, learning that someone could lie, which how do they even process that? But then also now everyone's lives have changed. They feel like they can't believe anyone. <laughs> it's like a whole that's a whole different movie. Like if you want to make a movie about the first person who could lie and make it just about creating religion, that's a whole different movie. That's not this movie. That would be a pretty interesting movie. It would be sort of like Life of Brian. It would be like Life of Brian, which I do love. Yeah, it's great. I love Life of Brian. Well, it's probably problematic now. I haven't seen it in a long time, but I remember liking oh, it a lot when absolutely. I was in high school. Absolutely. Yeah. There are many problematic elements to Life of Brian. However, even that follows a, a more cohesive story than that. But I feel like because it's Ricky Gervais and that's so much of like his thing, yeah. he had to put it in this movie because yeah. he was like, it's it's me, it's my brand. Um, and in reality, that hurts it a little bit because it, it does sidetrack the movie. And there are interesting things that you could do if you just focused on the love story and gave people real emotions, but they have to tell the truth. That's where the movie is good and shines is in the moments where we as humans tell white lies. Yeah, I mean, if this movie was liar, liar, but instead of a courtroom drama, it was a rom-com. That's rom -com, what it needs to it would be. be. I fucking, fucking love fantastic. Liar, Liar. Yeah. Oh, Liar, Liar, not Yes, Man. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah, a yeah. different yeah, Jim yeah, Carrey yeah, movie, yeah. right? Liar, li yes, yes, but Yes, Man is very similar, <clears throat> kind of, because he can't say no to anything. Yeah, he's like, saying yes to everything. It's a similar idea. Yeah. But yes, Liar Liar is what you want from this movie yeah. and not what you get. But like, just because Ricky Gervais is like a, he's like the CrossFit atheist. Does that make any sense when I say that? Like, <laughs> he won't fucking yeah, shut yes, up about does. it. And like, you guys know how I feel about religion, but I fucking hate Ricky Gervais when he won't shut up about it. Like, because he approaches it from a very much like, how are you guys so stupid that you believe this? And like, he just wants to throw it in people's faces. And that's why it's in this movie. I feel like I'm watching him jerk off. Does he still do that? Yes. I'm sorry. I'm still laughing at you calling him a CrossFit atheist. It's he so is. true, though. It is so funny as shit. His one show, Afterlife, comes back around and, like, the guy rediscovers religion because it's about his wife dying and him becoming an atheist. Well, and I think it comes, I think he goes back around at the end. I, I don't know. I know that the time that this movie was made, all of these famous people were like, this is the guy that did The Office. This yep. movie is going to be a fucking yeah, banger. Oh, yeah. And I wanted to talk about that because there are literally a thousand so cameos from fucking 
some really famous people. I wrote down some cameos from not so famous people that are that we have had in a bunch of different films on between our two channels yeah. that I will talk about too. Here's the weird thing. Because this type of CrossFit atheism <laughs> uh, is his brand, I think it's really interesting that in this movie, he almost stumbles into a good argument for just letting people believe what they want. Yeah, but then he like very much is like, I mean, at the very end, he like wink and nods like it's all made up. <laughs> like, I mean, I probably agree with Ricky Gervais way more than you guys do. I hate the way he talks about religion because it's like super reductive and mean. And there's no yeah, reason. To, yeah. There's no reason to be mean about it. That's true. And this whole movie is reductive. That's the whole problem yeah. with it. Not having emotion. So like as a whole, it's the problem. It also treats every female character like a side character in his main storyline. Yes, in quest. his main storyline. It's line really quest. gross. Like this whole thing feels very masturbatory for Gervais. It's, it's borderline incel. Uh, yeah. But when he's talking to his mom and he's like, I just want her to feel good as she dies. And the reality is like, nobody's been there and come back so nobody knows and he's just like no it's gonna be great and she's like awesome and dies i was like yeah exactly nobody knows so let her be happy who gives a shit yeah <laughs> like and then <laughs> he just can't let it be and i was like well that's ricky gervais for you <laughs> yeah ricky gervais wants you to think that he's way smarter than you and all that does is to make him come across like a way bigger asshole than you <laughs> I, I saw this movie once. This is the second time I've seen it. Wait, so when was the first time you saw it? Probably when it came out. Yeah, I saw this in theaters. That's probably it. And I was like, ooh. Yeah, and I remember watching it. And my views on religion have not changed since I saw it in theaters. I was probably more steadfast in it when this movie came out in 2009. And I just remember being like, oh, this is fucking terrible. Like, <laughs> it is so mean to anyone of faith, I was like, this is gross. Like the whole Moses on pizza boxes, I was like, See, I Jesus. found that really funny. I mean, it is I funny. That and funny. that I is the that sketch. But that is the sketch that you would actually want to watch, yes. right? But yes, it's just that's the so, sketch. Like, yes. It's just so mean. Ugh. I had an interesting time watching it today. I, th I was thinking I was more interested in it, and I was having a more interesting time watching it and analyzing it from a more of a critical lens, a mental health lens, and then like an understanding of Ricky Gervais' lens about this whole emotions and honesty being equivalent or like non-equivalent yeah. yes and it like says something interesting about where he's coming from where he thinks that lies or emotions oh, and, and that having any kind of emotion or, or a feeling is a lie or any sort of altruism or empathy mm -hmm. yeah. is a lie to be honest it made me wonder because it made me look at this from a lens of how does a person who may be neurodivergent in a way that social norms are not as recognized or not yeah. as someone who views society differently because they are norm neurodivergent, how does this movie feel to them? Because the more I thought about it, the more I was like, some of these responses, they aren't weird. They are just someone saying exactly what they think exactly at that time and not thinking about how it could hurt another person and not in a, uh, not in a mean way, but just being the most honest possible. Right. And, and that's what you kind of want. But like it felt at times that Jennifer Gardner's thing was she couldn't love because she had to tell the truth, which was a very interesting premise. But he obviously loved his mom in. I mean, like the people are showing emotions. Yes. And they are honest about some of them in some of the sketchy things. It made me wonder how Ricky Gervais perceives 
emotion and emotional situations in his day-to-day life and if that has impacted who he is and how he views the world. So as much as I really disliked this movie, uh, the whole time I was like, is this how he feels? And I don't know that it's cynicism, which I think is the knee-jerk reaction is to be like, what a cynical view. The more I thought about it, the more I was like, does he not experience emotion the way everyone else does? Or or not everyone else, but just right. does he not experience emotion in the way that the three of us do? And is that why we're relating differently? No, because he writes the scenes with his mother and in a very emotional lens. Yeah, so Paige, right. I, I think he feels emotion. I think he doesn't think anyone else feels emotion. And if you watch other people in this movie, Jennifer Garner doesn't have one emotion until the very end church scene. Which, oh, yeah. Like everything, everyone else is very robotic and that he is the only person with emotion. And then what does that say about him having the ability to lie? Is that yeah. like centered in emotion? I don't know. It's wild. Todd, that's a great point. And it yeah. brings my second major gripe <laughs> okay. is that if people in this world can feel emotions, they just can't lie about them. Yeah. And he says all these nice things about the female love interest and she totally hates him. Yeah. And like yeah. he never like she's just not lying about how she feels about you or how she looks at you. You could meet someone just as pretty who loves you and wouldn't lie about it because they wouldn't be lying. They could be like, I'm ner- I'm not as physically attracted to you as somebody else, but I have really strong feelings for you and I love you. Mikey, this was a huge issue for me in this movie because A, the more he lies to her, the more it takes on a manipulation element. Yeah. yeah. And the fact that he cannot let go of her purely because of her physical appearance really bothered me. Because he is asking that of her. Yeah. And I'm like, Paige. you don't have a connection with her. Yeah. Like, well, then he's like, you're the sweetest person I've ever met. And I'm like, she's not. She's not that sweet. She's not that sweet. And there's only a handful of women with lines in this movie at all. Oh, this does not pass the Bechdel test. No. Oh, God, no. I mean, to be honest, the only reason it doesn't. Because, again, the Bechtel test is the floor. It is the lowest bar, yeah. It's the lowest bar. You would trip over it from not seeing it. Like, that's how low this bar is. The only reason it doesn't (laughs) pass is because in the religion scene, they've identified him as a man in the sky. (laughs) And that means that two women are talking about a man. Uh, But, like, because I I looked for it, too, and I was like, well, uh, technically, no. The view of him depicting all women as superficial and yet refusing to attempt to meet another woman that's not Jennifer Garner is so hypocritical. It's yeah. bonkers. Uh, okay, take it from a serial date upper, okay? Like, I, I date upwards. <laughs> yeah. And, like, some of them are not attracted to me and they don't like me, and that's fine. Some of them do because they're all individual people who have different personalities yes. and emotions and wants and needs, and, like, none of them had to lie about it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah. if I had a woman tell me I would really like to go out with you because you're, like, super cool and funny and, like, I like spending time with you, but, like, our children would be so fat and ugly because of how you look right now like i would be like i'm out like there's yeah, other no girls thank who are you. right that that's a crazy thing to think yeah if i was dating someone who was that concerned with jeans that i was not wearing i would think she had a copy of like eugenics at her house that she uh, leaked yeah. through it's all the time borderline nazi. Eugenics yes. Yes. it's super like nazi energy coming off of her there's a huge undercurrent of eugenics yeah. in this film also, Rob Lowe pretty much just reprising his role Ugh. from Wayne's World. Like, I did sort of love that. 
Honestly, though, he's so fucking hot. Like, I get it. <laughs> I mean, okay, but Paige, first off, yes, he is. Secondly, <laughs> yeah. I think he's hilarious. Like, I do think Rob Lowe is a very funny actor, especially in like Parks and Rec. Like that character yeah, in Parks yeah, and yeah. Rec was so. When he closes the mirror when he's sick in the hospital and he just goes, "Stop pooping," <laughs> I've never <laughs> laughed harder at, at that show than that moment. <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong. He had a weird sex scandal back in the day. I don't remember what it was. Uh, yes, he, he had a sex tape with i think oh. an underage girl oh. Yikes. i remember it being a thing and like early in his career it almost derailed the whole thing oh a 16 year old and a 23 year old oh there were two girls at the tape <laughs> god imagine having a sex tape in 88 like that the, the video camera weighs more than that 16 year old like that is <laughs> the amount the amount of stuff you'd have to set up to tape it. So there was there was a police investigation he maintained okay. he didn't know that one girl was underage because they okay. met at a club where the one girl oh, was 23 okay. and her he didn't know her friend was underage okay. he settled a lawsuit with her family and was not charged with a crime he was 24 years old at the time also how did you re- record this is not like someone left their cell phone running this is like no motherfucker had a had a guy uh, with a boom mic and a fucking vhs <laughs> camera like shoulder unpack, mounted like unpack the steady cam and i'm very sad to report that i just googled on my work laptop the age of consent <laughs> in georgia and the age 16. of consent in georgia is 16 it concerns me that you answered that so quickly mikey i lived there as a child that's because it's still it's still 16 it's one of the few states where it's still 16 so Why? I mean Ugh. I don't know I mean but Paige the Republican Party in Tennessee is literally trying to pass I and make know. it legal to marry child brides that makes me so angry yeah. because it's already happening too many places yeah. I've been keeping tabs on that and I'm just like I I don't get to vote on that at all <laughs> and it makes me mad because I would neither be do like, we Paige it's our state legislature yeah. just oh, passing laws uh, without our consent yep uh, I hate your state I hate my you state and- sometimes but to get through the days every time Marsha Blackburn who's not our state senator she's our federal senator I watch you just troll tweet her all day long she's the only person on Twitter <laughs> I have an alert set up every time she tweets and it makes me feel better about my shitty state anyway but do you guys want to get into this movie so we can talk about it scene by sketch by sketch I should say sketch by sketch not really no honestly I'll be real with you all I want to do is talk about the ultimatum fuck did you watch the last two episodes that came out today let's talk about the real romantic comedy I've been watching (laughs) okay wait wait hold on hold on we have to unpack this I got Todd and Paige to watch a show I got into and I was like guys this show is so toxic for people that it comes back around and becomes really good again no, it's not good. There's nothing good about it. Good it is compelling. <laughs> like, yeah. you can't look away from it, much like a train accident. If you have problems in your life, watch this show and you'll be like, I don't have problems in my life. <laughs> Nick and Vanessa Lachey are the villains that the U.S. deserves right now. And I'm so glad that this I show I don't exists. even think they realize how terrible. I don't think they understand they how terrible this is. they their faces half the time. And Nick Lachey is sitting there like someone's slapped him like yeah he has like, no idea what to say their face the entire time is just like what did we do yeah. and it's like hey dummies and like i sat across from the table at olive garden sharing some never-ending breadsticks and unlimited possibles love it with my friend danielle who's on the next season of russian doll very proud for her oh, so awesome. she was like i watched this show you have to watch the show she got like a bunch of our friends all into it and i was like 
okay, why? And she was like, here's what's up. Here's what happens. There's an ultimatum. One of them wants to get married. The other one doesn't, which step one, bad plan. Yes. Or have kids and the other one doesn't. Uh, but if you're at that ultimatum stage, you should already be going to marriage counseling like or couples counseling or something. Or just break up. Just break up. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so there's that. Uh, but then they go here they have to break up and date one of the other members of the other couples. Not like date a stranger. No, no, no. It has to be one of the other people from the other couples. Paige, they have to live with them for three weeks, and not just date And live with them for three them. weeks and then come back and live with the person they came there with, who they were already, they probably already should have broken up with yeah. for three weeks. And it is a train wreck. This is ground zero nuclear explosion levels of badness. Every time I think it hits rock bottom, we like go to a different layer below the earth Ugh. it is like <laughs> you're just like we're below the crust there's mole people now it's we just have been live tweeting it to each other yeah. in our group chat in oh. just all caps like no no don't propose no just so uh. insane and the, dude the reunion fuck you guys gotta see the reunion have you, it's no, a page I, no spoilers I haven't watched the finale I, I didn't, I even know didn't there have was a, a chance reunion to episode. watch it today it was today there's one girl that Natalie and I have been like I just wish we could introduce her to Mikey because they would be perfect for each other because she's got a lot of teeth she's uh, super into getting married and having kids right away way april are you talking yes, about april? i'm talking about april mikey yeah i can see that she does have like her shit together she uh, does yeah i do feel like at the end of the season after the reunion episode she's the only one i was like okay she's the only one who's not like a villain yeah honestly though yes but it's almost like hunger games where like besides Ugh. katniss they're all kind of dicks Hey, Rue was not a dick. How dare you talk about PETA like that? Oh, PETA with his arms that smell of bread. Anyway, <laughs> should we get back to this movie? Yeah, we definitely should talk about this movie because I can't talk to you guys all night. I know. Well, that's your mistake. Be <laughs> between Ultimatum and the movie that we're doing for Horror Virgin, that the whole time I was watching this, I was like, I just wish I was watching the Horror Virgin movie this week instead. Yeah. It was hard to get through this one. I stopped and took a nap halfway through. Okay, full disclosure, I fell asleep and had to rewind it. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, at like 48 minutes into the movie. Yeah. I watched it all right after work when I wanted a nap, but I'm ready. I got in. Okay. I got enthralled as like a really intimate character study of Ricky Gervais's mind where I was like, he thinks emotions are lies, which is interesting. Yeah. I would hate to be his therapist. Like, there's no way any positive work is getting done. Well, okay, but like, what if you couldn't interpret emotions? Just like you, like, it's not a part of your neurological makeup to easily interpret emotions Wouldn't I mean emotions that happens maybe that's a feel thing. like lies to you like that that's where my brain went where I was just like interesting yeah but then also this movie is just not good right so the movie opens with a voiceover over the credits that basically tells us what's gonna happen in the movie yeah where it's like no one can lie but he's gonna find out he does he can lie and that's gonna be weird later and I'm like why are you doing this why are you telling yeah, me it's this? almost <laughs> like a note from Ricky Gervais that says hey the beginning of this movie is kind of boring but stick with us it's gonna get weird well and also I'm like why do you not have a better way to explain what we're dropping into yeah anyway so we cut through like a montage of people telling the truth 
in situations where we would probably lie. So like, I'm not coming into work today because I don't want to and I hate being there. Was, yeah. My man was such a good one. Uh, or like, oh, your baby is ugly. Hi, I just took a huge poop. Like, what are you ordering? I thought that was what are funny. you yeah. ordering is great. Anyway, but we cut to Ricky Gervais in an apartment complex. He's knocking on the door. He's about to go on a date with Jennifer Garner. And she says, you're early. I was just masturbating. And that's where I started to have a problem with this film. Two seconds in. <laughs> the second line of dialogue? This is where I didn't have a problem with this film. Well, here, here's my problem with this film. Women don't masturbate. Is that what you're saying? No, absolutely. We, we all the time do the things with the things. But like the idea that not speaking the whole of your thoughts at any given moment is a lie was strange to me. Like, do you consider it a lie if she had just said, oh, hi, you're early. I'm sorry. I have to go finish getting ready. Is that a lie? No. Thank you. Yeah, I was like, that That could be part of getting ready. It doesn't. He doesn't need to know that. And, and the whole, like, I'm feeling pessimistic about our date. Like, she, it's just stream of consciousness. Yes. And that's how everyone in this movie functions is not just that they can't lie. It's that every single thing that they think comes out of their mouth. Right. Which is why liar, liar is the better flip of this. Yes. Because it's not just everything is coming out of his mouth. It's when people are asking him to say things or when he's trying to, you know, coerce people to do things. That's when it becomes a problem. And so that's one of the big hangups for me in this movie is that it makes your dialogue not very interesting. There's a few funny bits here or there, but it makes it kind of a slog to get yeah, through. It's sort of a boring movie. Movie. It's a very boring movie. Yeah. Anyway, she finishes masturbating. Uh, we don't see it. We just, it's in, he talks about it. Yeah. Uh, and they go to their date. And she does tell him on the way out of the house, I don't find you attractive. We're not going to sleep together later. After you. I have heard that on a date. I don't <sighs> find you attractive. A hundred percent. Yeah. Really? Why go on the date? Well, they were no, already like, on the date, it sounds like. Yeah. I mean, sure, but A, why say that to someone? <laughs> like, I mean, well, I mean, I need more context. I think at the end of yeah, a first yeah. date, you know. At the end of a date, I understand it a little bit more. I wouldn't phrase it that way, though, Paige. Oh, I've had some pretty poor phrasings. So give me your favorite top three. Okay, I'll give you two negatives and one positive that's also negative. But, okay, all right, hit me with it. Count it down, count it down. Number three. Uh, this was like the most normal. I think this is like most, most people get on a first date if it's like you don't like them or you they don't like you. It could be physical. It could be emotional. Sure, yeah. Be, whatever. Could be yeah. personal. I'm just yeah. not feeling that kind of romantic connection. Oh, yeah. Yes, you know, that, that's what I've I would say. I've given that one. I've received it. Yeah, I think that one's fully fair. Okay, Todd. Number two. I feel like that guy from SNL. I'm just not attracted to you like I should be for someone I wanted a partner. That's a little bit she harsher. Was mean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. a little Jimmy Fallon, Tina Fey, <laughs> Rue McClanahan. <laughs> uh, okay. Oh wait, no, it's Bobby Moynihan. Sorry. <laughs> that's yes. Yeah, Rue McClanahan. Yeah, I was like, I don't girl. think she Hang was on, on SNL. <laughs> I was like, who is that? Okay, number one. The weirdest thing I heard is a first date, it went really well. Oh, okay. all right. We were back at her place. Oh, hello. And we were going to make the magic. Uh -huh. The witch magic? With the two Uzis? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then she said, I've never had sex with a fat guy before. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. 
terrible. I have had the female equivalent of that phrase said to me, and that ended that interaction. That ended yes. for me too, Paige. I said, yeah. I said, well, that I was like, boo. Yeah. <laughs> and then oh, I was like, oh, I don't oh. feel sexy at all. I have to go home now and cry. Yeah. Well, and the guy tried to clarify, and he was like, I meant it in like a good way, and I was like, no. I, I don't care how you meant it. You didn't need to say it. But it definitely relates to this movie because I feel like it yeah. was like a stream of consciousness choice. Yeah. It feels both fetishizing and awful at the yeah, same Yeah, that's what I was going to say, Paige. Like, it feels wrong on a few levels. Yeah, mm-hmm. and at that point in my life, I didn't want anything like that. I probably would go through with it today. <laughs> <laughs> it's been that long, Mikey? Post-COVID Michael is different and dead inside. <laughs> Mikey is slumming it, ladies! Ladies! <laughs> oh, God. I haven't dated much. Work has been a lot. You're putting yourself back out there. I'm proud of you, Mikey. You're like, you're doing what it takes to get yourself back out there. And that's hard. So I'm happy for you. But yeah, I mean, just a couple weeks ago, I called y'all because I got Venmoed half my check back Ugh. with the, I'm not feeling a romantic connection at this time. Please try again later. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but that check then paid for a bucket of it did. <laughs> a bucket of chicken. Yeah. By the way, Mikey, after watching you eat that bucket of chicken over fries, I was crazy it for days and found out that there's a restaurant near us that does it nice. and went and ordered it and ate it after I'd been out doing comedy at like two in the morning and immediately regretted it. <laughs> like- oh, I felt terrible. But also I like got curious and looked back you know, because burn me twice, shame on whatever, you know. So I looked up it again and like the restaurant will not sell them on DoorDash anymore. And I was like, come on now. No, why? So wait, you had a bad experience and you were like, oh, I'm going to give them a second chance. Yeah. <laughs> it's not just dating. It's DiGiorno. <laughs> See, Todd, I feel like maybe you've never Uber Eats as a fat person before. <laughs> I can't say that I have. But sometimes we'll give that bucket of pain chicken another chance. <laughs> anyway, they get to the restaurant and I do like that the waitress walks up and just says i'm threatened by you yeah but again this is another example of you know people just saying everything that's on their mind like when they sit at the table the waiter comes up who's another famous person martin star it is martin star and he just he starts with i'm embarrassed that i work here you're very pretty and and that that makes makes it worse worse. yeah (laughs) and here's the thing again as a sketch very funny and his delivery of it perfection yeah not everyone delivers it great i think louis ck has some of the best and worst line delivery in this movie yeah he's all over the board he's all over the board it made me uncomfortable watching him regardless but then also occasionally he was the worst but then every once in a while he'd say something in such a funny way that i was like god damn it like i i don't want to laugh yeah anyway so they order drinks. Uh, her mom calls and she's like, no, I'm way out of his league. And she basically just rapid fires questions at him. Like, do you have a job? No. And he kind of asks about her. She's like, I like it. Uh, I enjoy having money, but I wish I didn't have to work and I could just have the money. I spend things. I spend money on things I like. Uh, and I do find it pretty funny. It's still stream yeah. of consciousness. But like this idea of like, I wish I didn't have to work at all, but I do like having money. And I was like, ain't that the truth? Yep. I don't think there's anyone on this planet who wouldn't say that now agreed i mean i think if we were all like super wealthy we would still do things though we would like because we're all creative people we would all have like creative pursuits but it wouldn't be like our day job it would be like leisure 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, I would finally get to do pottery. I want to do pottery too, Mike. I have a couple of friends that were talking about doing a pottery class when I'm, I don't I know, when I have some sort class. of mythical free time because we want to make our own serving ware. But like, I demand if you ever do this pottery class that Mikey and I come out there and do it with you. Pottery classes are more than one time. There's six weeks. There's, well, that's fine. We can stay out there. We'll Airbnb it. We'll only need two spinning wheels though because Mikey will have one and you'll have yeah, one you'll and to, I'll be behind and Mikey. Ghost yeah. Mikey. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So she basically throughout the date is like, I'm having a good time, uh, but you're not hot. So no. Right. I want to have the perfect Aryan children. Yeah. <laughs> That's basically what she says. Uh, she does also say that he looks like a frog in the facial area, which I was like, cruel, but. I mean, Ricky Gervais did write this movie and he knows what he looks like. Like, I didn't feel bad about that joke. I do appreciate people who <laughs> know what they look like and are just like, this is what it is. Yeah, this is me. I love that. Yeah. I aspire to be that. I did also think, and it comes back in a couple different scenes of her ordering a Caesar salad with chicken yeah. because she thinks she's fat, but she still wants her food to taste good, which is extra rough because it is Jennifer Garner, who is not fat. She is gorgeous very skinny but it it just shows that like that's some of the parts where the the stream of consciousness is very interesting because it's very revealing about societal pressures but the fact that she has no emotion over that is frustrating right (laughs) she is a robot anyway they get back to her apartment and he's like i know you're out of my league and you just did this as a favor to greg but thanks and she just says i had a better time than i thought i had i'll call you tomorrow when i'm less drunk if i if i like you yeah and gives him a kiss on the cheek. But if it was on the mouth, you guys would be like, she's into him, right? Cheek, I would still say there's there's a chance. I, I mean, guess. I don't know. If she kissed you on the mouth, Mikey, I would say that there is a chance after the second date, she's going to Venmo pay you for half of the <laughs> like, cost of your date. And then be like, there wasn't a romantic connection for me. I have so thrown off by that one date alone that I'm just like, I mean, oh. next time a girl Venmo's me, have to check to tell me that she's not into me. I'm Venmo requesting the other half of the check. <laughs> 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 so Ricky Gervais gets back to his apartment and this was one of my favorite parts in this movie where the r- removal of lying I found very very funny and it's the coke advertisement yes do you recognize who was doing the advertisement he's a McPoyle yeah! yes I loved it he was so great but basically <laughs> the, the coke ad is just like please buy coke It's just brown sugar water. It kind of tastes too sweet. We haven't made any changes recently, so I can't necessarily tell you that you should like buy coke if you haven't been buying coke but please don't stop buying coke <laughs> hilarious and then the callback when he sees a pepsi ad oh, that just says yeah. pepsi when they don't when have, they coke. Don't have oh coke. My God. coke that was the whole so coke funny. thing is like drink coke we're the most popular yeah 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 yeah. people like us you like us please keep buying coke but and it's that all also that thing of like anytime you go to a restaurant and you're like yeah can i get a diet coke and they're like is diet pepsi okay and you're like no fuck i guess spit in a cup and let me drink that that's better than pepsi <laughs> <laughs> I hate Pepsi so much. I, this is a this is a Coke podcast. Oh yeah, because I think we're all Diet Coke fans. Yes. Well, I also like Diet Mountain Dew, which is a Pepsi product. Diet Mountain Dew is actually pretty good. I mean, same because it's not Pepsi. And I also like yeah. Hard Mountain Dew, which is part of Pepsi's alcoholic division. I love that deep down inside you, you're just a 13 year old boy drinking like Code Red. 
and playing video He's games all night. Just a 13-year-old boy standing in front of a can of Mountain Dew hard red watermelon pop dick whatever. Pop dick. I can't believe people aren't interested in a middle-aged version of this. <laughs> Dating is so hard in the How modern time. Hard is it? <laughs> I've had two full-on breakups from women that I've never even met before. Oh, are we talking about that now? Yes, we can't talk about it because I shared it with Paige and Todd. They were amazing. <laughs> I could not believe, like, they literally broke up with you and you never even had a date. You were just talking about having a date. I was like, can we reschedule a date? And they were like, I, I got a wall of text. Yeah. And, you know, I'm a professional so i was like you, you don't want to end every argument with like you need therapy but like with those two in particular i was like i didn't say this to them but i thought to myself i should tell them i don't know if you're ready to date because i don't think you've handled issues from your ex because right. I, I was like you guys are projecting all over me and not in like a good way like a very bad way if there's a lot of emotion involved in something there shouldn't be like there should be excitement about meeting someone new that you click with but like there shouldn't be like heavy emotions there that's a red flag either way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, but also relationships can't be successful if you're not a willing to talk out those issues, but also talk out the things that are happening in the moment, not things that have happened necessarily in the past with someone different. You can't hold the, the sins of the people before against the person that you're with now. And that's very difficult to do. But like when that happens, because sometimes it does, sometimes your emotions get away with you. You do then also have to take a step back and say, I'm sorry. Here's why I reacted this way. Let's talk about it. And it seems like I don't think either of those ladies were ready to do that. <laughs> the, those walls of text were nuts. Oh, my God. I was like, maybe I shouldn't be dating right now because I don't know if I can handle this every time. Both of those reactions were very strange. Yeah, you shouldn't have to handle that every time. Yeah, that, that should not be someone's reaction. But ultimately, they did you a favor in a very mean way. Like, you just didn't want to meet them because of whatever they're going through. And that's their journey. And I hope they find their person. But uh, I'm not going to let them hurt my Mikey. Because I love Mikey. I wasn't hurt. I was frustrated and confused was sure. the emotions. I was frustrated and confused because I am a robot. <laughs> no, but like if you get oh if you get a wall of text from someone you've never met in person, you've only messaged back and forth with a few times because you keep it simple until you meet somebody, because that's when you really like click with somebody, and you get a wall of text that's like you rescheduled and therefore I feel betrayed. I feel this you're not giving me respect blah blah blah. it's like i'm dating five other guys that seem more interested than you do oh that, yeah that one was crazy oh, uh, yeah. but it's like that was the red flag for me this interaction has not warranted this level of emotional investment you have not met yet yes you have yes. not met yet and it's not a case of like hey we've been texting online for two years and never met and we're going on the show catfish like this you well, texted okay. back and forth for a couple days i can only <laughs> so, compare it with the venmo person because i really Really liked her i was like oh this could be a a person for me right and like we talked we talked really well we had two dates and then like then she wasn't interested and you, did i send her a wall of text about how crazy of course i am not. it's only been two dates i said wow i'm really disappointed because i really liked you but good luck with what you're looking for and if you know you haven't changed your mind you know look me up or whatever yeah and of course because like that's a mature like you should not be chasing people mm -mm. you should not be in a bread truck chasing people <laughs> 
Yeah. Who's chasing you? Yeah. Exactly. With two Uzis and, and witch, witch magic. magic. And a yes. bread truck full of your cabinet to install in your kingdom in the past. Um, let's get back to this movie. Please. So uh, he goes to bed. We cut to the next day on his way to work and he's in the elevator with Jonah Hill, who's his neighbor. And Jonah Hill expresses a desire to self-harm. Not just self-harm. Kill I him. Mean, like, di- yeah, like attempt the suicide. The ultimate self-harm. Yeah. Yes. It sounded like he attempted suicide last night and threw up the pain pills. He had attempted multiple times, it sounds like, and had not completed suicide. Okay, here's another part of the movie about this lying emotion mixing them up kind of thing of like he's not concerned about this guy till later on yes, in the movie yes yeah. and lying and concern are two different things he can be concerned and show empathy and care about what jonah hill is going through without lying like <laughs> yeah it's so so like the whole time i'm like wait so now that he can lie He's going to, like, say that that guy should live and, like, yeah. Yes. So is that a lie? Does he actually want Jonah Hill to kill himself? Like, That's exactly. what I was thinking. It was really bothering me in the yeah. movie, yes. Yeah, it's terrible. Yeah, not a fan. And he does basically mention that he thinks he's going to get fired that day. So he goes to his job at Lecture Films. Now, one of my favorite people that kind of pops in a couple times is the woman who's standing outside who, and again, it's stream of consciousness, but she just turns to him and says, I just don't want to go in there today. At work? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, don't we all? Yeah, like people don't have that conversation now. (laughs) Yes. Well, and he goes to his job at lecture films which he's been talking about getting fired from soon for like the entire beginning of this movie right and what we realize is that there are no actors because acting is inherently a lie yeah so literally movies are just read like term papers on historical events yeah they're like history term papers that are read aloud to you like an audiobook yes okay this is like really nitpicky it really bothered me that they refer to it as nonfiction. like you wouldn't call it nonfiction yeah, because there's no fiction there's no fiction like there isn't a word for fiction for it to be the non-version of it much like that girl that Mikey dated who didn't like the concept of fiction. Maybe she would have loved this movie. I bet she God. loved this fucking movie. I can't have this discussion again. We're having too many Mikey bad dates discussions in one 10 minute period. One question though. Was she religious? I believe she was. Okay. As a religious person, I think it's bonkers to be like fiction shouldn't exist. <laughs> but read the Bible. Yeah, but metaphors the are, are stupid fine. human. Metaphors are fine. You do not need metaphor. Even within the Bible, there is fiction. Like yes, parable. There's metaphors. There's how people explain metaphors. things. It's like a whole thing. That's what parables are. There's a whole sermon on the mount full of fiction, guys. Yes. I ranted all the way home. I don't even know if I was calling people or just talking to myself. You I ranted for hours. <laughs> Mikey, that you thing. wouldn't stop texting us. Like you were blowing yeah, up our yeah, phones. Texting us. I was dying. I was it like, was, this is the craziest thing I've ever heard. Of. I've never asked anyone on a date. Like, so you see no value in film or novels. <laughs> you TV. don't believe in the concept of fiction. It's literally the weirdest trait that I think anyone's ever had that I've dated. It is by far one of the strangest things I have ever heard of happening on a date. Yes, same. The one who's like, you're the most sexual guy I've been with. And I was like, you should get out more. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, you have abs. Like, you should be fucking. All the time. Oh, right? 
If I had abs, do you know how fucking dangerous I would be if I had abs? Paige. I'd be a menace to society. <laughs> yes, that's what I'm saying. God struck me down with looks because I would be too dangerous. <laughs> I mean, if I looked like Christina Hendricks, like I don't uh -huh, even need abs. Uh -huh. If I was Christina Hendricks, I couldn't work with pot. you anymore. I couldn't work with you with this personality and Christina Hendricks together. I could because I see you as a person, not a figure for my enjoyment. Well, I'm offended. <laughs> I live in Hollywood. I run into celebrities regularly. I would be fucking dangerous. It would be so bad. Paige is saying she would be a star fucker. That's what she's saying right now. I mean, yeah. What do you think would happen if I looked like Christina Hendricks and happened to pass within striking distance of Henry Cavill or half the Avengers? In high school, I would have worked at Abercrombie. <laughs> <laughs> That's the douchiest timeline that begins there. I would just wear jeans and that's it. All the time. You mean like pointing at shirts by like flexing? Yeah, like, yeah, like our crew cuts are over there. <laughs> Did you see? Okay. I don't know if you guys saw in the Romancing the Pod Facebook group, but somebody posted this uh, TikToker who chops wood on TikTok. Oh, yeah. And they asked if we would do it shirtless. He, oh, no. Uh, I think this was like a separate post, but oh, like okay. I think that was the inspiration for that post. Yeah, okay. That guy, like a couple weeks, I've been following him on TikTok for forever. He's fascinating. Uh, but uh, like a week ago, he was like, I'm traveling. Help me pick out my outfits. And he was like, okay, this is for hanging out. This is for going out with my bros. And then the last one, he's like, this is for sexy time. And it was just jeans. And I was like, <laughs> that's some that's some Christian Grey shit right there. This is for when I'm about to expose some dick neck. Dick neck. <laughs> Anyway, so he goes into work. He runs into his secretary, who is Shelly, played by Tina Fey. And at first, Shelly is very funny. I feel like up until a certain point, Shelly has some of the best delivery on some of these lines where she's just like, oh, you should do your job. No, thank you. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, yes. Well, And the whole thing of her, like, it kills me that I could do your job way better than you, but I yes. am your secretary. Like that whole vibe. Yep. And then when like her, one of her last lines is very, Unnecessary. very unacceptable. Yeah. Un unacceptable and unnecessary. It broke my heart that it was Tina Fey. I love Tina Fey. Well, it's just like, it's one of those things that, I'm like, A, would you not object to this being in the script because it is fully unnecessary? Okay, there was a lot of fat shaming in this in general, and that's tied into what she's saying, too. But she also used, like, a very derogatory term for a homosexual person. A, a slur, yeah. yeah it's yeah, a yeah. full-on so slur. So it's like, it's like two things, like, smushed together that are terrible. Like, it just broke my heart a little bit. Yeah, it's, uh, we, we've come a long way. <laughs> in a short amount of time. Yeah, I mean, this is 2009. This. But then, like, sometimes we slide back. True. So, Jeffrey Tambor walks past his office door multiple times. It turns out this is his boss. He doesn't want to fire him. And he just admits that he's like, you look depressed and, and that's going to make me feel worse about this. Jeffrey Tambor is amazing in this scene because he's like full on, like never had to fire anybody, hates firing people, like is super yeah. nervous about it. And it's just giving it everything in the scene. And I love him. 
so good. But he does fire him. He's like, listen, you got the 1300s. Like, it's a shit, like, century to have to write for. We get it. But we're, you're just not meeting the quotas or whatever, so you're fired. Right. Uh, and in the midst of this, he he gets an email from Jennifer Garner that's basically like, yeah, I woke up sober and it's going to be a no for me, dog. <laughs> yeah. And Tina Fey has already read it and sent it to the office, <laughs> but also <laughs> offers to go get him a snack, which I find very funny. Yeah. Um, but as he's leaving and collecting his stuff and, and leaving because he's been fired, he runs into Brad Kessler, a.k.a. Rob Lowe. Um, and Rob Lowe is basically like, I have hated you this whole time. I've always felt threatened by you. I hate things I don't understand. I'll always be more successful. He's just mean. It's yeah. just mean. Uh, and then Tina Fey chimes in. He's like, well, yeah, she always called you. And he says an overweight homosexual. Yes. And she clarifies by saying, no, it was a fat insert gay slur here. And it's unacceptable and unnecessary. Yeah, it's terrible. In the movie. No one needed to say it. It was not worth it. It's not a funny joke. It could have been any number of other insults and other things. And instead it was this. And I don't know why that's what they chose. I really hate it. Yeah, it's terrible. Like I said before, I hate that it's Tina Fey. Like it, it breaks my heart a little bit. Oh, right. I was like, whoa. Yeah. Anyway, from there, he goes to the old folks home where he visits his mom. My favorite is that the outside of the old folks home just says, a sad place for hopeless old people. Yeah. Uh, and as he walks in, the receptionist just says, hi, are you here to abandon an old person? And he <laughs> says, I already did. It's Martha Bellison. And she's like, oh, she's not doing well. She's the top of our death pool. Yeah. Which she doesn't even look bad when you go up there. No. Well, I mean, it turns out they were right. She dies like a day later. Yeah. They must have some sort of mystical cat or something. They murder her to win the death pool. <gasps> I mean, they would immediately go to jail because they would fess up to it. Well, part yeah. of me was like, do they even need police because it, like no one can lie and no one deceives people? I mean, you still have to assume that there are bad people in the world. They're just honest about it. So like, I guess murders or... Yeah, did you murder that guy? Yes, yeah. I did. Hell yeah, with this gun. <laughs> yeah. Of course I did. Why wouldn't I? Their most famous TV show wouldn't be Law and Order. It would just be Order. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to Order. Gong. Yeah, I was going to say only one. <laughs> so he helps her with the remote. But she's, she's clearly kind of older and he's expressing some frustration about how his life is going bad and he's a loser. And she's like, I don't think you're a loser. I love you. And then he calls his mom a loser. Yeah. And he's like, well, yeah. you, you're a loser, mom. We're all losers. Yeah. It's yeah. crazy. I don't know. It's gross. I hated it. Yeah. Uh, he goes back to his apartment. He wakes up the next day and his landlord's like, I'm here for the rent. And he's like, yeah, I just got fired yesterday. And he's like, yeah, that's why I'm here. How much do you have? Yeah. And he basically evicts him on the spot. Yeah. He gives him one day. He's like, uh, well, because Ricky Gervais is like, I only have $300 in my bank account. And he's like, cool. Well, rent's $800. So you have to leave by tomorrow. Right. So Ricky Gervais goes to the bank and he goes to withdraw basically every in his account he knows it's 300 bucks their systems are down the system is down oh the how dare you down. throw a light switch <laughs> rave <laughs> while we're talking about the the, the invention of lying uh fucking strong bad homestar runner well yeah, yeah but that was Homestar a strong runner. bad sketch oh, right? it was the emails, i was right? like i'm so lost in this reference i don't remember 
remember if it was strong bad or if it was just general. I think because it, it, it's the system is yeah. down. And I think that's which is strong bad. Right. Yeah. I don't know why, but the system is down. Trogdor, the Burninator and the ugly one have always <laughs> stuck with me. And I do not know why. Chips are no place for a mighty warrior. Um, <laughs> Team Girl Team Squad. Girl Squad. I fucking Team love Girl it. Team Squad's amazing. So dumb. I hope whoever did Homestar Runner made a shitload of money and is now making like cartoons or something. Or commercials. Yeah, Probably yeah, yeah. more likely commercials. Anyway, because the system is down, <laughs> uh, they're like, how much money did you have in your account? And so he just says 800, which by the way, he should have said way more. Anyway, they just give him the 800. When it like zooms into his brain and you see like the lies starting to like build or whatever and then it comes out and he's like mm-hmm. it like builds to this moment and I, was, I thought it was going to be like a hundred million dollars but instead <laughs> he goes I promise I will never <laughs> die exactly but instead he goes eight hundred dollars and I was like well then you're fucked for next month like what are you doing yeah his lies get bigger this is his first lie that is true Mikey you do normally start small you're right that's true and as he's about to walk out of the bank the system comes back up and they're like oh it says you only have three hundred don't worry, we'll fix it. It's probably on our end. Have like, sorry for the inconvenience. Bye. And he walks out and pays the rent. So we get voiceover of him. Like, it's hard to describe. I said something, something that wasn't. And we cut to he's at a bar with Louis C.K. and Philip Seymour Hoffman as a bartender. And he's trying it out. And he's like, my name is Doug. And they're like, hi, Doug. I can't believe I never knew your real name. And it's just an, <laughs> a, a, an exercise in yes ending. But it is. It does feel like an improv teacher trying to teach people how to yes and. And you just tell them you just have to assume right. everything is correct and you have to go with it. Because that is what they're doing. Like the whole when he says he invented the bicycle. Louis C.K. was like, I don't know you invented the bicycle. And then Philip Seymour Hoffman goes, can you get me a discount on a 10 speed? Like, I don't know why that made me laugh so hard. It made me laugh, too. Philip Seymour Hoffman's lines in this scene are the funniest where he's like, I'm actually a German pirate. And he just goes, Guten Tag. Yeah, yeah. It's so good. I miss Philip Seymour Hoffman, man. That he's is so a great. fantastic wig. Oh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. I know, man. And he basically says in a joke that has aged incredibly poorly uh if you could make the world the way you want it to be if you could do anything what would you do and louis ck just says touch boobs and maybe have sex with them and i was like yeah that's not great i need to shower uh and he says okay let's Mm. try that and he passes a whole street of perfectly acceptable women who just don't look like supermodels (laughs) until he runs into stephanie march aka the former mrs bobby flay and he says the world is going to end you have to have sex with me right now and she says do we have time for a motel or do we have to do it right here so they go to a motel and at that point he he realizes how icky it is how he has basically tricked someone into this which yeah. i was glad he realized that oh me too like when you first see this you're like oh my oh, god because no. it, it's like uncomfortable but not like the funny uncomfortable it's like the oh the we're about to watch a sexual assault uncomfortable yeah but it doesn't devolve into that like he does does sort of it doesn't get out of it in a way I, that's right he he picks up the phone and goes yes hello nasa which i thought was NASA, hilarious yeah. and then it's like funny. oh we don't have to have sex we're in the clear and then she like we're gonna live but then i don't know this is another one of the reasons why i hate ricky gervais as a writer because when 
He says we don't have to have sex. She doesn't react like thrilled that they don't have to have sex. She acts like thrilled that the world's not going to end, but then asks him to stay. And I was like, and he, he doesn't. No, which... no, no. I know. But that's not how that would go. She'd be like, oh, thank fuck. I'm leaving. Yeah. 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 I mean, maybe uh, it depends. I mean, the world ending is pretty horrible. Yeah. 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 Are you saying that if the world was ending in your mind and then the next, like five minutes later, it wasn't, you would then be want to bang Ricky Gervais? I'm confused. I think they would. She had a huge emotional release and, and yeah. he went, they had a trauma. She had a trauma bond with him. Yeah. So she wanted to have sex with him. No, I could see that happening. I mean, maybe I, I'm just putting myself in that situation. If I legitimately thought because she fully believes it, if I legitimately thought the world was going to end and then suddenly it wasn't celebrate life. We're still here. Oh, my God. Think like, about the movie Speed. Yes. Like that's the perfect example of like a trauma bond. <laughs> but also it's Keanu Reeves. Right. Yes. But pick Picture it with like averagely attractive people. Like picture me as Keanu Reeves saying, I wish you were taller. I'm taller. And then I like decapitate the guy because I fucking love that movie. But then like you want to hook up to Sandra Bullock because she saw you be a badass. She's into it. She let's was a badass. Let's not make it weird and make it a person. Like let's say Philip Seymour Hoffman instead of Keanu Reeves. I'm still. Yeah. Like we lived. We survived. Let's fucking celebrate. I, I found her reaction understandable. That she wanted him to stay? Yeah. Trauma bonding is real, bro. Yeah, that didn't surprise me at all. I just don't think ADA Alexandra Cabot would be into Ricky Gervais. I mean, here's the thing. Under normal circumstances, no. But if this is the movie Armageddon, yes. Yeah, oh. she believed that he was saving the world. Right. I honestly cannot believe that you guys are like, yeah, I would totally bone down Ricky Gervais if I thought the world was ending, then five minutes later realized it wasn't. Like, that is a bonker I mean, stance in my mind. here's the thing. I've, I've, <laughs> I don't, like, for Ricky Gervais, yeah, it might be tough, but I'm I'm just saying I'm not saying I would never bone down a person that I suddenly didn't have to bone to save the world. Does that make sense? That makes sense. See, Mikey gets it. Like, we don't have to bone somebody. The world has ended. Now you have the option, but you're so happy you're alive, you're going to do it. Why not just go home and bone your loved ones? I mean, we don't know that we have loved ones in yeah, this scenario. Yeah, I don't have loved ones, Todd. Well, okay. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to, like, throw my relationship privilege privilege all over Sandy you. Sandy B and Keanu did not have relationships in Speed. Wasn't Keanu a cat? Uh, in, in the movie Keanu, yes. But not in Speed. <laughs> Although I kind of wish he was. Imagine Speed with a cat. <sighs> I need to watch Speed again. But anyway, I mean like yeah, my younger career days like I've trauma bonded with quite a few people and it never works out. But also like take that out of it. Take personal experience out of it. If you truly believe that for like 20 minutes that sex with this person would save the world and then they're like okay we don't need to do it but like wouldn't you be like what made scientists think that this sex would want to change the world is it that mind-blowing yeah, i've already set my brain to it yeah i've gotta know now yeah i want to know what love is i want you to plow me sorry uh world but, saving sex i yes. i'm just very shocked that that is both of yours I, I feel when i wrote that down in my notes i was like they of course will agree with me on this no okay uh, i mean that's fine maybe i'm weird but i would have left that hotel room immediately i would have buckled my dress back Not up you. you're a talker no i would have left immediately if it was a stranger i would have been out of there so fast i i think for me it depends on if the world was actually going to end or not and in her world in her mind the world was going to end sure yeah she had questions todd i don't know why you're surprised i love terminator that's true 
It's like New Year's Eve by midnight. He's chubby Kyle Reese in a way. <laughs> you just want to go home. You know what I'm saying? With somebody. I mean, I think I understand what you're saying. I just don't agree with what you're saying. <laughs> but again, I'm the one who loves Terminator. So clearly I am predisposed to post-apocalyptic coitus. <laughs> I think you need more trauma bonds. I don't think that's anything you should wish on anybody. No, you shouldn't wish it on any. This isn't a thing that you like ache for and want. It's a thing that's like, I mean, I guess the zombies will eat us anyway we should take joy where we can find it kind of way but like the world isn't ending and you know that i mean for now oh this is such a weird but i don't know when it's gonna end again i i yeah i didn't have a problem with this if i like defused a bomb with somebody Exactly, Mikey. That you is get it. Wildly different. No. no it's not. Okay, like let's say we had to defuse this bomb, but then like yeah. we did it. I probably want a boner afterwards because yes, like it's the adrenaline the emotions. Like, the, the world yes, isn't ending. The oh my god. Yeah. Yes. Okay. No, I'm with Mikey and I 100 percent on I this. I need one. the listeners to weigh in on this one because I feel like you guys are crazy. But I'll, whatever. I mean that's fine. We can move on. I don't want to hash it out anymore. But like I would have definitely just left that hotel room and gone back to my place and boned my loved one i mean but again you're assuming there's a loved one in this scenario i don't want to have sex with a stranger like that seems so wild that you guys are like yeah i'd fuck that stranger let me tell you about dating in 2022 (laughs) i'm I'm sorry a stranger comes up to you and is like you're the mother of the future robots are invading the earth like you we got one chance one opportunity mom spaghetti and you Delay judgment day at least That you know of You're not gonna bone down Kyle Reese Come on I wanna change my bumble profile to Kyle Reese And be like I'm looking for Sarah Connor (laughs) Mother of the future They won't stop It's what he does It's all he does I'm now realizing that for Paige The movie Terminator was just Really well done grooming Oh you mean it groomed me (laughs) It groomed you Yes into boning down strangers in life-saving quote-unquote scenarios. Here's what I will say. I think everyone has a movie that groomed them and if you don't know what yours is yet, you're going to find out someday. I will tell you with my work, a lot of first responders, they hook up together at the end of the day. I will just tell oh, you I'm that. I'm sure. <laughs> I am sure. But Mikey, what okay, what movie do you think groomed y'all? <laughs> this is so embarrassing to admit, but the movie that had like the biggest impact on me where I was like, Oh man, this is what love is. I fucking hate that this is my movie because it's not anymore. But it was before sunrise. I just remember watching it when I was like 15 and I was like, oh, this is love right here. Oh, Todd. <laughs> See, and for me, it's 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 a it's a it's a crazy, crazy cauldron of Princess Bride. Yeah, and absolutely. Ter- and and Terminator. <laughs> That's how you make one of these. There you go. It probably is speed. I, I don't know. <laughs> Mikey, with how much you bring it up, it is speed. It is. Either that or aliens. Like Hicks and Ripley. Yes, I fucking love Alien. But also, that is Kyle Reese again. So like, you know, predisposed. Oh, I know what it is. Okay, this will explain a lot. Okay. It's Abyss. Okay. And I was like, man, Ed Harris loves that woman so much. He could fucking get it in that movie, His wife. Anyway, yeah. And she treats him like trash. She's a smart, independent lady. Who can't hold her breath for shit. That's actually, I mean, that's a plot point. No, she does a great job holding her breath. It was just unrealistically <laughs> long, Paige. I love you and I want you to live, you bitch. <laughs> Mikey, his love for his wife saves his left hand in that movie. Yeah, with the with his wedding ring with the door. Bro, I could like 
do a theatrical interpretation of the abyss. The, the amount of times I've seen that movie, I could get up on this Zoom call and just like reenact the whole thing. So, Paige, I've been meaning to talk to you about what we could get Mikey to do if we ever started a romance in the pod Patreon. And this is like the top <laughs> tier. The reenactment of the abyss. And I'm just picturing him with like a mop on his head being like, I'm an engineer. I designed this vessel. Paige, it's just like me in the background painted blue, like flying around like the like the alien water monster. It wants to communicate. <laughs> Virgil, you're an asshole. And then switching to just the mustache, I'm like, I'm sweaty and terrifying, Kyle Reese. Fucking love the abyss. Yeah, I, I've watched that movie religiously as a child. I watched it recently. It, it doesn't hold up at parts. It does hold up, Paige. <laughs> I watched it like I, three I have weeks it on ago. Blu-ray. Is that a romance? No. I mean, they do fall back in love. That's an action movie. If you call that a romance, then you gotta call Terminator a romance. No, Paige. We get to call Terminator a romance. <laughs> Terminator a romance? <laughs> Blaine, get back here. We gotta do Terminator again on Romancing the Bond. <laughs> Don't worry. Everyone's gonna be mad about it again. <laughs> Is Speed a romance? Technically, no. Like, there's a romance in it. I honestly, like, for an hour of this movie, I didn't think this movie was a romance until oh, the, last, the last half hour is the only thing that makes <sighs> it a romance. Okay, okay. We'll get back to it. Sorry, I could talk about The Abyss forever. Anyway, he gets back to the bar and he's like, so boobs are out. We're not doing boobs and sex. What would you do instead? And they're like, well, I'd get all the money. And he's like, all right. And for some reason, there's this weird interlude where... He has Louis C.K. drunk drive him to the casino yes. for no good reason. Well, to make money, but there's no reason why he would let a drunk person drive him. Yeah, and, and Louis C.K. is like, I'm trying to hit my rock bottom. So they get pulled over. He does the full breathalyzer, and they just tell the cop, like, oh, he's not drunk. And the cop's like, oh, well, then be on your way then. The cop who is Edward fucking Norton. Yes, yes. <laughs> and he says some wild shit when he gets to the car. Like, he, oh, yeah. oh man. This, is, this movie is, like, very cringy at some points yeah well because it is that stream of consciousness it's yeah. like it's not them lying it's them saying exactly what pops into their head at any given time and unprompted like yeah. there's no reason to have said what edward norton says when he walks up to the car right anyway we get to the casino and they cash in for chips and my favorite is that the woman cashing them in is like by the way Every bet is slightly favored towards the house. In the long run, we'll win it back. And then they run into the cocktail waitress who just says, I can't be a stripper, but can I give you drinks? Yeah. Which, again, is not necessarily telling the truth. Like, no one asked. No. That is just stream no of consciousness. Right. Like, she's been frozen yeah. for 50 years and now is going to fight Dr. Evil. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Right, Oversharing right, right. with me is a thing that happens now. Yeah. We're like, I'll meet someone immediately and they'll be like, I wish I was a stripper, but instead I'm here delivering cocktails. I'm like, okay, great. I'll take a gin and tonic. Right. Thank you. And honestly, you shouldn't let go of your dreams. If you want to strip. Yeah. Strip. If that is your dream. Strip it all down. Put a pole in the garage I, and just figure it out, man. If yeah. I had abs, I'd be right downtown and that cowboys review thing mikey lets us both get abs and then we will go on a magic mike xxl yes. tour of like do it the the u.s that'll be Push. our live shows yes i get weird dms now i cannot even imagine if i was hot well you need to achieve what you can achieve by pushing gina gershon down those stairs and becoming the star that you were meant to be <laughs> <laughs> and also mikey you get weird dms now because you are hot accept it what if I was hotter? It would get weird. You wouldn't be able to. You wouldn't be able to look at your DMs. You you would just not be able. Yeah, to. I need to compl I need to compare DMs with Blaine. 
<laughs> I don't. I don't think he looks at them. <laughs> I think there are none. Basically, he just ignores all of them. I think. Anyway, they go to the casino. They're playing roulette, and wherever the ball lands, he's like, "Oh, look over there," and just moves his chips. So they win a ton of money. Yeah. We cut back to his apartment where he runs into Jonah Hill again, and Jonah Hill again expresses a desire to complete suicide. But this time, he's like, "Hey." Don't do that. You're going to be okay. Let's hang out. Which I still don't understand why he couldn't do before. I guess we just have to take from that that he is now lying, Paige. Yeah, I I guess, which is like... It's dark. Emotions and lying are not the same. Uh, anyway. Yeah. The same thing with he he finally talks to the homeless man on the street. Yeah, we don't get to see what they say, though, because there's, there's like a like three different like music montages. That's like an entire three minute song of just like montage junk. Yeah. And, and it's just like talking to the old people, talking to Jonah Hill. And he finally kind of like calls Jennifer Garner back and she's like, oh, didn't you get my email? I'm not doing this. And he was just like, no, uh, but I've changed. So we should go out on a different date. We should go out again. He agrees to pick her up the next day. We cut to he sees on TV a, a I guess, lecture film. Uh, about the Industrial Revolution written by Brad Kessler. And they say no one can write a better screenplay. And he's like, the hell they can't. And so he writes a whole new screenplay and then like dyes it in coffee, which seems unnecessary. Well, he did that to make it look old because he didn't write a screenplay page. No, he wrote What he wrote was history. And then he goes to Jeffrey Tambor's office and is like, listen, I know you you fired me and I was really sad. And I I love how Jeffrey Tambor was like, I knew it. I knew you were sad yeah. about it. It was so funny. He's just so great in this movie. And then he's, he's like, so but weird. I was uh, in the desert and I was hanging out under a palm tree crying. And then I looked over right. and found a chest with this in it. And it does look like like printer paper that he just dunked in coffee written on. Yeah, it looks like a fifth grade fancy book report that you're like in ancient times. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the story he tells about like a spaceship crashing down into Babylon with a ninja army and a robot dinosaur and an alien king. And it's this yeah. like, honestly, all he did was write the Patreonicals. Yeah. Essentially, he <laughs> Patreonicals his way into a screenwriting job. Yeah. I was going to say he's like a child who first learns to lie, I mean, but like that's the Patreon. <laughs> yeah, it, it sounds like it's right around the level of Axe Cop, but it's like, what are screenplays if not hard copy Patreonicals? Like, yeah. when you think about it. Yeah, that's the level of thought that Mikey puts into every episode of the Patreonicals. Like, <laughs> he's dedicated to his craft of yeah. mm-hmm. telling stories like a. 10 year old lies so my cousin who's a dinosaur like uh (laughs) (laughs) so this girl who likes me no she doesn't live in canada uh she's here i swear she's not imaginary i met her at summer camp so this girl i wanted a date with yeah there were like five other guys there (laughs) yeah so everyone loves it they love the screenplay we cut to his date with jennifer garner and he kind of just talks about his life as a child and that his dad was a burglar now this is again one of the like little vignettes that's very very funny it'd be very funny as a sketch not as a movie but where he breaks and he's like oh you weren't supposed to be home i was gonna rob the house well now that you're here i have to call the cops so you could do that at home or here and he's like oh i guess i'll come in you want some tea like it's a very funny interaction between the actor playing his dad and steven merchant um but we then hear him talk about his mom and how he's gonna buy her a mansion because now he's got the successful screenplay 
this whole thing. Unfortunately, the phone rings and we find out that his mom is in the hospital, likely dying. She's had a major heart attack and will probably suffer another heart attack later the night. That night uh, where Jason Bateman also informs him that it's fajita night in the cafeteria and he might want to go down there after his mom dies. Yeah, Jason Bateman is in this movie and kills it in this scene. Like he's so good at that like silly dry delivery. So great. So great. But this is the scene where this is the one scene with a true emotional core that he doesn't let any other characters have where his mom is dying and she's like, I'm afraid because I don't know what comes next. Yeah. And to help her not be afraid, he just tells her that like, it's going to be great. Like essentially describes a, a very generic heaven concept to her. Everyone gets mansions and dad's there. Tell him I said I love him. Like all of that stuff. Yeah. He like builds an afterlife mythos for her to like ease her passing. Right. There's like so many puppies. Yeah. You know, whatever. Yeah. But like the nurses overhear him and they're like, oh, right. this is great news. Like all of yeah, that. Tell stuff. us more. Yeah. So we cut to he Jennifer Garner stays up with him that night. Yeah. They actually go back to her apartment and they like, like yeah. they fall asleep like sitting on the it was actually really sweet because they're like sitting on the couch and they fall asleep sort of holding hands and I didn't necessarily think anything like romantic like I don't think Jennifer Garner falls in love with him because of this she's just like yeah being there and being sweet because his mom just died you know yeah of course but we cut to he goes back to his apartment the next day and there's a crowd in front of the apartment and he basically calls Jennifer Garner she comes over and she's like well, what'd you say to all those people like what did you say yeah. what happened and this is where he ends up having to write out this essentially invented new belief system on two pizza boxes. But it's very much modeled after the Ten Commandments. Although they are not commandments, but there are ten of them. And they're on tablets except that they're pizza boxes. Now, yeah. the one issue I have with this, and this is a very dumb issue, the pizza boxes are rectangles, not squares. Well, I think they do that because that's what Charlton Heston's tablets look like in the Ten For Commandments. Sure. Yeah, They absolutely do, but I feel like it would be equally as funny just with regular pizza boxes. Probably would be, but even the Pizza Hut on the other side is a reference to the Ten Commandments because, I don't know if you know this, that movie was brought to you by Pizza Hut, and on the back of the Ten Commandments, it says, brought to you by Pizza Hut. Yeah. You can only see it when he throws the commandments at the golden ox and then everything explodes, but yeah, it's yeah. there. It's a it's a when he When he broke the tablets in half in anger, that's when they found out they were stuffed crust. <laughs> These commandments are filled with cheese? That's how you know they're holy. Because it was Swiss. I would describe my relationship with Jesus as personal pan. <laughs> Not only personal pan, that means he had to read a bunch of scholastic books to get that relationship with Jesus for free. Yeah. You know how many <laughs> You know how many Goosebumps books I had to read to get that personal no pan relationship with Jesus. How dumb did it make you feel as an adult when you're like, oh, they're only like $7. <laughs> There's so many things like that where I'm like, like man, my parents were assholes. <laughs> <laughs> well, just like, if I parse out the hours that I spent reading, but then was paid in personal pan pizza, that's well below minimum wage. Oh, yeah. It's like 20 cents an hour. No, I mean, like, <laughs> like I'll go to a store now and I'll like watch kids and their parents fight and like people's fight financial situations are different but i'm like bro that is a 99 cent 
bag of gummies. Like he just. Like, I mean, I do respect that sometimes parents have to set boundaries so that children 100%. know that there are boundaries. You don't get everything that you want all the time. Uh, I'm just saying that I was working super hard for something that, as an adult, I'm like, oh, if I bought one and immediately dropped it on the ground, I wouldn't even be sad. <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I just don't think it's fair because, like, I go to a store and I'm like, oh, I'm gonna get sesame sticks and a gummy pizza and a diet diet coke. I love there, gummy I got pizzas. the toilet paper that I needed for this one trip. Gummy pizza. Gummy five. pizzas. Yeah. What is a gummy pizza? Todd, you never why had a are you gummy so pizza, ignorant? <laughs> oh my god. I just got yelled at for not knowing what gummy pizza was. He'd only eat one slice anyway. <laughs> is it like yeah. like gummy bears but in pizza shapes? Have you ever I had fucking, a gummy uh, burger or a gummy hot dog? No. Why, oh my what is god. Your life, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I don't think Mikey's ever been this disappointed in me. I only eat organic gummies and they're only in the shape <laughs> of berries. The first time I did NACA, which is like a, a conference where you go to like tour colleges as like a comedian and stuff, uh, they you're supposed to have stuff to like hand out to people, like swag, like a conference, but you're not supposed to hand people stickers because apparently teenagers put stickers on all kinds of shit and then they have to scrape them off. Uh, so instead I handed out gummy pizzas and like people found out about it and I was like the booth. Um, but they're made by like E Fruity, I think is the company that makes yeah. like the gummy pizza i just googled it this looks disgusting it's great it's it amazing good. oh my god it, it looks does not so taste like pizza gross. it just tastes like gummies oh what well, tastes like gummy pizza it's like its own yeah. unique taste how can you judge something without trying it i would try it it just looks gross but i would absolutely try it although in general i don't like gummy shit oh i'm gummy shit all the way it all depends on the mood i'm in sometimes i'm in a chocolatey mood sometimes i'm in a gummy mood like sometimes I'm in a sour mood yeah there I have gummies go. right here. Yeah, when it comes to sweets, I'm more like chocolate. I'm not really like a huge sweet guy. I'm not a huge chocolate person. I'm, uh, I'm very much a gummy person. The most that Todd eats his sweets is on Valentine's. We open his big, giant, heart-shaped box of candy, eats one, closes the box, and puts it up until next year. He's <laughs> had the same box for 17 years. Yeah, I got it in high school. <laughs> on that date with five girls, or five guys. Anyways, so. And man, those burgers were great. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. He he comes out with the pizza boxes full of, of rules from the man in the sky who controls everything. And I do like the questions that people ask because as if it's like their first time hearing about it. Because the thing is, we've all grown up with knowledge or at least religion as a concept existing in the world around us. But in the thought experiment of this movie, that's not the case. And so... The questions they have, the more you think about it, you're like, yeah, I guess that is a question you would have. But my favorite is when they start thinking about bad stuff where he's like, when you die, there's free ice cream for everyone, like any flavor you want. Even bad flavors? Why would you think of bad flavors? Oh, now I'm thinking vanilla and skunks. Oh, now I'm thinking the chocolate sauce is diarrhea. And that <laughs> cracks me up. That's where, as a sketch, this fully succeeds. And it's very funny. And the, like, two hours later gap of, like, okay, so being late for work isn't bad, but, like, if you murder somebody, like, what if you forget to feed the dog? Well, don't get a dog to starve it on purpose. Like, yeah. that's a bad idea. Um, And they just have, like, so many questions 
questions and he's like no hairstyle <laughs> send you to the bad place That's like after the two hour jump too like it says yes. two hours later and then it comes back oh. with him saying that i was like okay that this scene this sketch i should say is funny yeah it's just like the rest of it is offensive and terrible yes well and i do like when they get into the to the element of like the man in the sky did all the bad things to you but he also does all the good things to you and then the reward is that you have an eternity of good things and then when we get the like newspaper flashes later it's like man in the sky causes tornado man in the sky gives genius dog diploma like it's basically now it's everything which is very funny i did love that when they're like so the Batman in the sky does all the bad things and then like three people ask questions and it's like the Batman in the sky gave my mom cancer and he's like yes and then it goes around and then Ricky Gervais goes but he also does all the good things and then that same lady was said he gave my mom cancer he goes he, he, he cured killed my cancer. mom of cancer I don't know why but the he, the, he killed my grandma and left me those millions of yeah. dollars so like oh wow okay yeah but again it's it's just another case of as a sketch this is brilliant as a movie you just spent 15 minutes on something that doesn't even really serve the story because it's just going to kind of be in the background for the rest of the time. And it's at this point that there's another 40 minutes of this movie. And so we see that his life is going well and he's hanging out with Jennifer Garner more. Yeah, he's making millions and millions of dollars because his Black Plague movie is like the biggest selling movie ever. He moves into a mansion. Like he becomes king shit on God Mountain, right? Like he's just like <laughs> rich as shit, has everything he's ever wanted and realizes he's still not happy. And unfortunately, it's scored to Mr. Blue Sky, which is such a fantastic song. And it made me angry. Yeah, I love Electric Light film. Orchestra so much. Yes. So, I mean, I like this part, but it doesn't fit with the rest of the film. The The religion stuff doesn't fit with the rest of the film. I think it's a good sketch that they included, but like it doesn't fit with the romantic comedy portion. No, it doesn't. It literally is just here so CrossFit Jesus can feel smarter than everybody, and it's annoying. The way hey, this hey, resolves Jesus in this invented next scene. CrossFit. <laughs> the way this resolves in this next scene just bl it, it blew my mind watching the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so essentially, we cut to he's on a date with Jennifer Garner, and she's admitting that like she likes spending time with him. She finds him fun and, and smart and all of these things, but she can't see past his physical form, and she can't see past anyone's physical form she's you know looking around and everyone's just like a fat loser two nerdy losers you know like she doesn't see past it so this drives me crazy in pretty much every movie where like there's a like i don't want to say unattractive but not as attractive male character and a really hot female character and they end up together like right he is asking her to like not pay attention to his looks and like notice his personality and all he is doing is ignoring the personality and focusing on the looks yes and this yeah. movie does that too and it's very annoying yeah it is super annoying so we cut to his mansion where he's just phoning it in writing screenplays at this point <laughs> he's he's dictating them to somebody and then he's like, come shoot that script this week. It's for kids it's, or whatever. It's Bobby Moynihan is, is who he's dictating Rue to. McClanahan. <laughs> Bobby Moynihan is one of my favorite SNL cast members. I think of all he's time. great. Too. Yeah, he is wonderful. As drunk uncle, he is one of my favorites. <laughs> anyway, it's his birthday. So Jennifer Garner comes over and 
she reveals that she's about to go on a date with Brad Kessler and he's trying to talk her out of it. And in doing so, he says that she shouldn't sleep with anybody until they're married, which completely invalidates the sex coupon that she just gave him. So funny. This is another one of those sketches that I think is funny. Is Yeah, yeah exactly. It's, it's a sketch. It's just not a full movie. Because he paints himself into the corner before he opens the sex coupon and now he can't go back because yeah. then he would have to admit that he's lying and no one knows what that is. Exactly. Uh, So Brad shows up at the house to take her on the date. Yeah. And he's immediately despondent. Uh, But we cut to their date and he's like ordering for her. He's being a total dick. Now, here's something interesting. Did you notice the cameo in this scene from someone who has been between Horror Virgin and Romancing the Pod in almost more movies than anyone that we have done? Patrick Wilson? (laughs) No, it's not Patrick Wilson. It's the roommate from Remember Me, who's in The Endless, Remember Me. He was just in, um, what do we just watch? Uh, Sinister 2. He was in like something else recently on Romancing the Pod. He's been in like six movies that we've done. Is it Tate Ellington? It might be. It is. I just looked it up. It's Tate Ellington is his name. He was in The Invention of Lying. So yeah, absolutely. Interesting. Yeah, he is billed as waiter number two in The Invention of Lying. But between Rob Lowe and Jennifer Garner in this scene, it's very clear that they are... It's transactional. Yes. And they're very into each other because of their potential offspring. Yes, but not actually into each other. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And he he does comment. He's like, well, you know, with him, you would have had fat kids with snub noses. And she actually smiles at the thought of it. I think this is the first time we're meant to believe that maybe she does want that. But then the movie does nothing with it. Um, I would have loved to have had like a montage or just a real in-depth speech from her expressing how she actually feels. And we don't really get that. We get a short one at the end. We'd never get that, really. She yeah, because just... her feelings don't matter. Just his do, yeah, basically. Exactly. Because women aren't real people in this movie with thoughts and feelings and emotions. No, they're not. It's terrible. Yeah. And so we cut to he's depressed and in, at his mansion with Louis C.K. and uh, and um, Jonah Hill. Jonah Hill, yeah. And essentially their consensus is like, well, I'm going to get a mansion when I die, so I'm not going to do anything on Earth. And so I might as well just die. I'm not going to live an interesting life. I'm just going to wait for after. Yeah, I'm just going to get drunk and wait to die and then I'll live in my mansion in the sky. Which was an unfortunate rhyme, but it's still their philosophy. (laughs) I was a little frustrated with this scene because the implication is that having any sort of belief ruins your potential for having a good life on Earth. Yeah. Like, Paige. Which is, it can happen, but it's not, that's not always the case. Like, yeah, I was like, that's kind of a false equivalency, I would say, in this movie, which is full of false equivalencies. But it is one of many that is featured in this movie. But it is another, I think, great example of how Ricky Gervais just does not understand people of faith and he thinks that they're all stupid and he wants them to all feel stupid and I think (laughs) even as someone who is not of faith I think that that's gross mean and like it's just real shitty and he made a whole movie about it I agree. So we cut to Jennifer Garner talking to her mom and trying to express how Brad doesn't make her feel special in the same way that Ricky Gervais' character does. Right. And her mom is pretty much just like, but think of your kids. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then Brad calls and she's like, it's Brad. Don't screw this up. And hands the phone to Jennifer Gardner. Exactly. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. And so this is, I think, where Jennifer Garner ends up getting married. Like the marriage kind of transpires off screen. We don't really see any of that. Well, not the marriage, the proposal. That's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. We cut over to Ricky Gervais, who's visiting his mom's grave. And he's kind of having this heartfelt conversation with her, but still is basically just like, you're just here in the ground and I'm the only person that knows that. Yeah, because he knows that he made up the lie about the quote unquote religion in this movie. And I think that this is like one of those cases where the person who's writing the movie is making a point they don't think they're making. But like, to me, this is showing that like some people who don't believe in like an afterlife or religious stuff, like are not super happy because they're really scared to die and they're very afraid of mortality like that's shit that I struggle with so when I saw that I was like oh I can resonate with this scene but I feel like what Ricky Gervais the writer is saying is that everyone else is stupid for having faith and I was like that's so dumb like right it's just gross like he's the only person living a, a true life because he doesn't believe but he's in not. God. He's not living a true life. No, he I doesn't know. Think people can I know. Feel I know. Until they can start lying. That's what I mean. Like he, I think, doesn't understand the point he's making in his own movie. <laughs> I don't know. I don't like vegans, so I get it. <laughs> so from his mom's grave, we cut to what I would imagine is months later because his hair's grown out. He he looks like Jesus. It's definitely supposed to be a visual gag. Yes. And it's Jennifer Garner giving him her wedding invitation because she's like, well, I tried calling, but you wouldn't answer. And the wedding is tomorrow. Please come because it would make me happy. Yeah. And being around you makes me happy. And he says, then why are you marrying him? And she just says, it's a genetic match. But at this point, I'm like, she clearly has feelings for him. Yeah. I do not understand why she's going through with it. I don't understand her motivation to go through with it. The genetic match for kids is not a good enough reason for me. It's because all women only go after Chad's page uh duh that, this is where it gets into incel territory I hate it. for it's me. so much and I don't understand why a society that quote doesn't lie becomes robots like that's not the it's a false equivalency yes <laughs> anyway they do decide to go to the wedding they they Louis CK helps them get cleaned up or whatever in the interim so like later that day Jennifer Garner sees a kid being bullied now this is a part of the movie that I laughed really hard at despite myself because they're bullying this little chubby kid and she says what's your name and he says short fat bro Brian. <laughs> that was hilarious. Uh, but she says to him, like, you're so much more than that. You're Brian with a great smile. And it's her finally seeing it in somebody else. Yeah. Not just Ricky Gervais's character. And Ricky Gervais is not even like fat. No, he's not no. like fat, fat. And honestly, like they would be half her kids, too. So like they would probably yeah. just be like normal kids. Like, I, I don't know. It's wild to me that this was like a plot point. Hey, Sometimes two pretty people have ugly kids. Sometimes it cancels itself out. Or <laughs> sometimes it skips a generation. I mean, or like Teen the, Wolf. the opposite of it is my my original co-host on Cult Podcast, Marie, has has a kid and her husband is gorgeous. She's beautiful. And that kid is gorgeous. So like sometimes you really do like it passes it down. When that kid gets carried into the room, it just looks like wind is blowing through its hair yeah. all the time. <laughs> But then sometimes, like, 
there's weird looking celebrity kids. And also sometimes people who look weird as kids grow into really like good looking adults. It's all a wash. Yeah. No one can predict it. Yeah. It's weird. If you saw both of my parents when they were like my age, like having kids and whatnot, you'd be like, man, Todd, their future kid's going to be a dream boat. And that's just not the way it rolled <laughs> out for me. But like, I get it. Honestly, Logan was the most attractive of all of us. And, oh. you know, it's just, you know what happened to him? No, what? No, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that was really mean. Anyway, so the wedding starts. I did kind of chuckle at Rob Lowe turning around and mouthing loser to him in I the know. Audience. It's just so petty. It's like a level of petty I was here for. Well, and it's it's John Hodgman doing the the service, which at the time he was still just like the Apple guy. Yeah, I think he was a correspondent on the a correspondent on the Daily on Show the Daily too. Show at that point, but yeah, he yeah. hadn't done a whole lot. I do love yeah. that this church, which has to have been built in the last six months because they didn't have religion until six months ago. But like, right. like the stained glass is him holding the pizza holding boxes. Holding the pizza boxes. Ah, I thought it was very so funny. funny. That made yeah. me laugh a lot. Uh, but so this is, again, one of the very funny, it, it could be a very funny sketch where he's just like mutually beneficial, favorable offspring. Do you do you agree to stay for as long as you want to? Do you agree to stay for as long yeah. as you want to? And she still says, I do. But then he says, anyone who believes they offer something better. Better genetics, I think. Yeah, better genetics. It's wild. And Ricky Gervais stands up and he's like, she's my best friend. Uh, like, who says they're better or taller? Like, who says that'll make them better? Yeah. Like, if you really want this, I'll go. And she basically is like, well, tell me what the man in the sky wants. Yeah. And Rob Lowe says that, too. Why don't you just, like, ask the man in the sky what's best for her? And he refuses to lie about it. But honestly, what he also could have done is just says he says he wants you to decide. Yes. That would have been so easy. Yes. Whatever. Anyway, so he leaves. And then my favorite is Rob Lowe says, are we married yet? Because I have plans. This afternoon. Yeah. (laughs) So fun. Just like a great non sequitur. Uh, But so she follows him out and this is where he admits that he lied about all of it. And she's just like, okay. And not horrified. Right. (laughs) Like what? (laughs) And not like, what the fuck is a lie? Yes. What do you mean? You said something that wasn't true. Like, I don't understand. But she literally just her only speech that she gets is, I know what I want. I want little fat kids with snub noses. And he says, then I'm your man. Voice over. We're happy together. And we cut to it turns out that his kid can lie. Yeah. And they lie about her cooking to make her feel better. And, and that's, that's the movie. movie. Turns out being a sociopath is genetic. Yeah. <laughs> so having seen the movie, having talked about the movie, what did you guys think about the invention of lying? Hated it. I, yeah, I was not a fan of this as a movie. I do think as sketches, there are sections of this movie that are very, very funny. I I don't like it as a movie. As a movie, it does not hold up for me. Yeah. It's a slog to get through. Yeah. The messaging is weird. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Talking about it made me realize I dislike it more than I thought I did. (laughs) (laughs) I just feel like I'm watching Ricky Gervais jerk himself off for two hours. It's like not enjoyable. This is Ricky Gervais's first directing debut. This is the first time he directed a movie that he had written. He'd written other things, obviously. And I think that's probably part of it. I haven't seen much that he's directed after this because I don't know, you know, but I think sometimes there is a bit of a learning curve on that first one. And he had the unfortunate experience where he was already super popular when this came out. Yeah. I think for a lot of people, their first, you know, movie that they direct happens when they're not as popular and they get time to kind of learn and refine that different skill set. You know, like Jordan Peele 
really had the benefit of getting to direct some episodes of Key and Peele. Yeah. And getting to still not be super famous when Get Out came out. Like, I don't know if you remember when Get Out came out, but people were kind of like, can he do this? He's a comedian. And he had Keanu before that. And so, like, he got kind of more of a stepping stone version of this. And I think when this came out, The Office was fucking huge and it was unavoidable. Like everyone was going to see it. I'm sure it did really well. And so I think that's a lot of eyes on your first foray into this big of a project in that format. I'm sorry. Did you say you're sure this did well? Did it not do well? We'll talk about that. Oh, it no. didn't. It <laughs> he went back to England after this, I think. Ooh, yikes. Anyway, Paige, do you have some fun facts for us? I do. Uh, because this is a, a mythical universe, I don't have any like money fun facts necessarily. But hit us with your fun facts. Lying fun, fun facts. facts. So he called in like every favor he had to get everyone to do this movie. I am sure. And when he was trying to get Philip Seymour Hoffman to cameo as that bartender, he sent him a message via email that just says, Dear Philip, will you please appear in my new film? There's very little money involved as I spent the budget on testicular implants, but don't look upon them as my testicles. Look at them as our testicles. (laughs) And Philip Seymour Hoffman couldn't refuse after that. Now that, to me, is hilarious. Like, that's very funny. And The Office is very funny. There are things Ricky Gervais has done that make me laugh out loud. And so I fully understand everyone signing on to this thinking it was going to be amazing. And because it's broken up so much, I think most people only saw their scene and were like, this is a great sketch. Yeah. Like this scene on its own is funny. So uh, there was an additional scene that gets removed, then gets added back for the DVD where both Ricky Gervais and Louis C.K. play cavemen, which is why... Louis C.K. doesn't have a beard in this movie. He, okay. They made him shave it. Yeah. Uh, and he looks strange. He does look strange. It's, yeah. Um, when the movie came out, they actually sponsored an online Photoshop contest to basically take the theme of the movie and the poster and to Photoshop it to be a lie. So, like, try to make a, a fake movie poster that lies to the audience about this movie. So, like, take the photos out of it and put our faces in it? Yeah, or, like, write directed by or just, like, shameless self-promotion by, like, yeah. you know, to kind of, you know, change up little stuff. Now, I hope you're ready for this. I'm not going to be. If you remember... There's a very specific mm-hmm. list from 2007 to 2009. Oh, my God. Is this a oh, blacklist no. script? This is a blacklist oh, script. God. During the writer's strike, too, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, 2007 to 2009. God, yeah. okay. All right. Now, it was originally titled, titled This Side of the Truth and was much more focused on the religion narrative as opposed to the romantic one. Okay. Now, uh, Ricky Gervais's name in the movie is Mark Bellison, but on his office door, it says M. Bellison. Uh, they think it's a play on a French word, embellissant, which means... To embellish. Yes, exactly. Yeah. When this was released in France, it was released under its original title, but when it went to DVD, it was changed to Mythoman, which was a play on words. Uh, the French word Mythoman, which means pathological liar. Oh, okay. So, That's a good name, too. Yeah. Yeah, essentially. Yeah. Now, I think it's because they worked together on this, but Ricky Gervais would go on to play a recurring character on Louis. That's unfortunate for him and his career. Yeah. Uh, It is. uh, And five years earlier, he met Jennifer Garner 
on the set of Alias, and that's part of how he got her to participate in the project. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, now, Ricky Gervais also frequently works with Stephen Merchant. Yeah. They work together a lot, so that's how he ends up in this movie as well. Uh, and those are your fun facts. Well, thank you for those wow. fun facts, Paige. Let's talk some box office. So what do you think the production budget was for The Invention of Lying in 2009? Here's the thing. I think a lot of people did this as a favor. So I think that even though there's a ton of famous people in it, I don't think they all got paid. Or at least they, they didn't get paid their price tag. I'm going to say this cost 20 mil. Okay. I'm going to say 40 million. Okay. It actually cost $18.5 million. Uh, so a little bit less. Yeah, I think Paige, yeah, you're yeah, on to yeah. something with the, he called in favors and people did it for like scale yep. as a favor, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, if you adjust for inflation, that's like $24.7 million. So not a huge mm-hmm. difference. But again, in 2009, it was $18.5 million. Uh, it came out October 2nd, 2009 and was fifth in the theaters that weekend. It was Ooh. beat by Zombieland, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, Toy, Great movie. Yeah, Toy Story 3D double feature, Surrogates, and of course, The Invention of Lying was number five. Other notable movies that weekend was Inglorious Bastards, was oh. 13, Pandorum, which we've done on Horror Virgin, was 12th, and Jennifer's Body was 15th that weekend. Mm. So that year, I definitely saw... Inglorious Bastards like seven times that year. Yeah. It was in theaters for a long time. It was. Um, but I also saw Jennifer's Body in theaters when it came out, like opening weekend. Nice. So, yeah. Well, cool. So what do you think The Invention of Lying made in its first weekend out? See, I think I think it probably made about 10 okay. at least. All right. I'm going to say less. I'm going to say three. <laughs> it's So it's in between there. It made $7 million in its first weekend right. out. And uh, it was in the theaters for another 10 weeks. So 11 week total run in the theaters. It obviously never did better than its first weekend. But what do you think it made total domestically? I'm going to say domestically it hits 25. Okay. Mikey, what do you think? I'm going to say 20. All right. It made $18.4 million domestically. So just under its budget. And something else that surprised me, internationally it made 14.2. I would have thought because Ricky Gervais is from the UK, they tend to be Mm -hmm. less religious than Americans are, that it would have done better in the UK than it did here. And it just didn't. Smaller market. It is a smaller market, but he's a huge star there. I mean, he was a huge star here at the time, too. So maybe it's a sort of a false equivalency to use the problem with this movie as an example here. Uh, But so that puts the total worldwide box office up to thirty two point seven million dollars. So. So this movie doesn't even quite break even. I mean, if you factor in marketing, I'm assuming it didn't. It does make an additional almost seven million dollars in the home market performance. So if they made any profit, it was probably from that home market performance. Yeah. But no, it did not do well. Do you guys think they're still together? (laughs) God, I hope not. I don't think so. I think so, because he can manipulate her. He can manipulate rings around her. He trapped her. He's got two kids with her. Yeah, I'm going to say they are, but it's not good. That's right. bad. I hope she gets out and gets free of this, you know, CrossFit atheist. <laughs> it's funny because it's CrossFit. You're welcome. So this week I made you guys watch The Invention of Lying. And again, I'm so sorry for that. What are you guys making us or Mikey, it's your turn, right? What are you making us That's watch right. next week? So I was like, OK, do I want to do something weird we're not quite in summertime where I'm going to do like science fiction-y time travel, weird summer <laughs> stuff again. Okay. I think what I'm going to pick is 
a book I read and a movie I watched that I liked about it's called The Mountain Between Us. Uh, okay. Starring Idris Elba and Kate Winslet. Yes. Oh, and Dermot Mulroney's in it. Yes. And I read the book. I saw the movie. Big fan of this romance story. Okay. They are in a plane crash. It's a survival I, I romance. This. Okay, 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 okay. Yeah, I remember when this came out. Yes, 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 yes. Can I please read the IMDb description? Yes. Stranded after a tragic plane crash, two strangers must forge a connection to survive the extreme elements of a remote snow-covered mountain. When they realize help is not coming, they embark on a perilous journey across the wilderness. Honestly, I'm excited, Mikey. This is this is also, by the way, not listed as any sort of romance. It is listed as an adventure thriller, but knowing the story, I'll allow it. I'm going to tell you they fuck on that mountain. I know they do. <laughs> I know they do. I, I'm here to tell you if I was stuck on a mountain with Idris Elba, it would not take that much convincing. I- I found it an interesting romance. I I would consider yes. There's a I would. It's just as much as a romance as Romance in the Stone. Or okay, okay, Angus, or probably the invention of lying, which is classified oh, as a romantic. More comedy. of a romance than any of those films. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Th- that's fair. I'm in love with the premise. Let's do this. I'm down. Let's do it. Let's do it. This is a six days, seven nights level of bonkers. Oh yes, yes. Okay. So your homework for next week is to get stranded on a mountain with Idris Elba, and you try not to have sex with him. <laughs> <laughs> while right? I'm drunk and watch the mountain between us. I'm going to give you a, a little spoilers. The mountain is not the mountain. You know what I'm saying? Is it his dick? It is. It is. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert. So, Mikey, do you have a review for us to read? Oh, shit. No, I forgot. All right. Well, while you're trying not to picture Idris Elba's dick, let me tell you how you can have your review run on the podcast. And that is to leave us a five-star text review. And we'll have Mikey or perhaps special guest Idris Elba one day read it for you. So, Mikey, whose review are you going to read this week? Mr. Nikki 426 All right. Well, what does Mr. Nikki 426 have to say? A best rom-com podcast. Oh, wow. Thank you so much for that high praise. I started listening to the episodes backwards. Oh, okay. I mean, that's probably the best way to do it, honestly. But then decided to jump around the ones I've seen first, which I prefer that. I watch that's the ones. Fair. I would listen to the ones with the movies I've seen. I then found the horror version, and I'm currently binging all episodes of birth, both shows while at work. Oh, awesome. Wow. The conversations keep me entertained while the wonderful play-by-play of each scene is told. Uh, Mikey, Paige, and Todd tell the story so well, it's like watching the movie with your best friends. Aww. Uh, Honestly, it's better and easier than watching the movies. Oh, wow. Okay. My personal favorite part is a toss between the theme songs, which is Paige's sister's doing. Thank you, Aaron, for those. Well, Aaron and her dad. So thank you, Aaron and dad, for those. Yeah. And the fun facts. I would love an action movie podcast. Oh, God. <laughs> you know, if Mikey Page and Todd ever decide to go full-time podcasting. That's not like something we could just decide to do. Like, we have to have, like... Health insurance. Yeah, yeah, and, like, enough money to, like, not be homeless to do it. Yeah. We're trying, guys. We're doing our best. <laughs> Thank you for everything you already do, and I will keep listening. Five stars. Well, Mr. Nikki 426 Thank you so much for that amazing five-star review. And we'll keep trying to become full-time podcasters so we can get you, can I get you cunts on action movie podcast? 
Yes. So, um, yeah, guys, if you like this power thruple that we have here on this podcast, make sure to check out our other podcast, The Horror Virgin. And that is the only other podcast that Mikey and I are on. But Paige gets around and she is on two other podcasts. Black Card Rehab and Cult Podcast. So guys, definitely check out those because they're amazing. If you want to follow us on social, we are at Romancing the Pod Show. Yes. On yes. Instagram. And we are at something else on Twitter who I just have never taken the time to learn it's, it. It's just Romancing Pod Show because they have a character oh. limit and it's show, S-H-O, like Showtime. So guys, check that out as well. And if you want to follow us all individually, pages at Rampage Wesley everywhere, including TikTok, except for Twitter, where she is at Paige Wesley. Mikey is at M Randolph 24, and I am at Todd J Awesome everywhere. And guys, we got a P.O. box. So if you want to send us some love letters or whatever you might send to a P.O. box, it's actually not a P.O. box. It's like a regular street address. It's pretty awesome. It's 6688 Nolensville Road, number 108-34, Brentwood, Tennessee, 37027. So send us some stuff. Yeah. That's going to be it for us, you guys. I'm Paige. I'm Mikey. And I'm Todd. And you complete us. To completion. I'm not lying when I said that would be a good time. (laughs) Mikey, you can't lie. That's right. That's how you know it's real. Bye! CrossFit atheist nerds! (laughs) 